So hello everyone, uh, welcome to the NP studio. Uh, today we have with us two very, very special guests. I mean, I love both these people um, and I've had the privilege of talking with them before and they've actually taken their time out to do this and I'm really, really appreciative of that fact. So we have with us in the NP studio, Mr. Rob Chestnut and Mrs. Um, Jillian Manis. Um, and I'm going to give a brief introduction of them. It's going to take a while because they've done so much and then we'll just jump right into the conversation. So Rob is a graduate of Harvard Law School and has worked for 14 years with the U.S. Justice Department. He's the recipient of the Justice Department's John Marshall Award for Litigation and CIA's Outstanding Service Medallion. Uh, in 2004, he was promoted to eBay's executive leadership team as the senior vice president of newly created Trust and Safety Department. Uh, from then, he transitioned to Chegg as the general counsel and the company's first lawyer. After leading the effort to take that company public on the NYSE, Rob finally moved to Airbnb, a really popular company that we all know of, as its general counsel in the spring of 2016. He also went to become the company's chief ethics officer and in 2018 was honored by Financial Times as one of the global 25 general counsel. Uh, he recently released his bestseller book, by the way, I've read it and it's an amazing read. Uh, it's called Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. And Rob now serves as an advisor to Airbnb, along with several other internet marketplace startup businesses, including Uber, Upwork, Turo and Poshmark. And to perfectly balance this legal aficionado, we have with us Jillian, um, who is the managing partner of a notable Silicon Valley venture fund, Structure Capital. Um, having attended the University of Oxford and NYU, Jillian also serves on numerous educational institution boards, including Stanford University Digital Health Board, Stanford University School of Medicine, uh, Advisory Board of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Duke Fuqua School of Business, um, NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center Board of Directors, the NYU Tisch School of Arts, and Jillian was also named one of the 25 early stage female investors by Business Insider in 2021. Now, prior to Structure Capital, Jillian was the founder of Broad Strategy, Manus Media and Global Goal Sports Management. And in the past, she has also served as the co-director of TMT for Credit Suisse, Zurich, um, and the Director of Devel Development for Universal and Warner Brothers Studios. Um, a global public speaker, Jillian has provided business and political commentary on CNBC's Quark Alley and Bloomberg Business News. She also co-hosts Spotify's media business podcast, The Pitch. And that is a wrap to the introduction. Thanks a lot, Jillian and Rob, for, for gracing this um, and, and for coming here and, and you know agreeing to speak with me. It's a pleasure to have you both here. Thank you. Actually, listening to my bio, I think, you know, I should be like 110 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Every time I, mean, I hear that bio, I think, huh, I'm really quite old. Right. Um, well, the, the, the hardest job is being married to me, too, I think. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the easiest. That's, that's my easiest. That, that's the easy one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that has a great, great ROI, as we say, right? A great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Awesome. So I'm actually Jillian Manis Chestnut. Yes. Yes. Jillian Manis Chestnut. My bad. Yeah. Yes. So uh, no problem. Yes. <laughs> uh, awesome. But I think so jumping right into the conversation, uh, you know, how I was selling Rob, uh, I've read your book, an absolute fan, and we had the chance of discussing it as well. Um, so if you can just touch upon the premise behind um, this book and like, you know, the changing world and how I think intentional integrity now more so than ever applies to the real world. And I think just with your experiences with companies before, what do you think about how this book plays in, in the 21st century, especially in today's day and age? Thanks for having me on and giving me the chance to talk about it. You know, I, I think, look, integrity, I think, has always been 
uh, important to business, but it's taken on a whole new meaning, I think, in the last five to 10 years. Uh, look, look, the world's changing uh, and the world is facing uh, an unprecedented level of problems. Uh, and I think the world is finally looking to companies and telling them to step up. We need more. To, we need to expect more from leaders and companies. It's it's not just enough to make money anymore. We need companies to focus on doing things that not only turn a profit but also do good in the world. And look, the premise of the book is simply that companies need to act with integrity. Leaders need to act with integrity. Uh, and, and I think. The, the book talks about how, how that actually gets done. I think we, we've been for so long just worried and separating integrity and in business a little bit. The, mm -hmm. the companies need to, to focus on how to drive integrity into the culture of their company. And that's what the book's about. Wow, uh, th that's amazing. And I think oh, you also stress upon the fact, which is really interesting, that integrity and sort of like business prosperity go hand in hand and they're not like conversely related, you know, um, because I, I was looking at the news recently and I think what's been doing the rounds in Silicon Valley is the story of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes and how that whole story panned out. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and the fact that integrity can actually drive business rather than, you know, like hinder it or in, in any which way prevent it from prospering? Sure. I mean, you mentioned Theranos, and you, on one level, you know, integrity can uh, can wreck your brand if you if you don't get it right. It's a double-edged sword. You know, it, uh, you you've got to focus on integrity in part because everybody's watching in the world today, including your own employees. Uh, everybody wants you to step up, and if your your values are not in line with the values of your company or your oh, excuse me of your employees or your consumers. Uh, you're going to pay a price for it. But the, the good news is that it, you don't act with integrity just to prevent something bad from happening. Uh, mm. Integrity can actually drive your business. Uh, what, what companies find is that companies that score highest in integrity-related matters actually outperform the market and they outperform their competitors because look, employees want to be part of companies that have a greater purpose, that are doing the right thing in the world. Um, we live in an age of conscious consumerism where consumers want to do business with companies that are doing good. So what we're finding now is that integrity, uh, it, it, it actually can drive business. And that's important for companies to understand if they really are truly want to maximize the value for their shareholders. Well. That, that's amazing. Um, thanks a lot for sharing that insight. I think it also provides us a good segue to talk about how integrity shaped up in like emerging startups and like Jillian with your experiences as well. Uh, I think I remember the time we talked uh, before and you had mentioned uh, and I picked up this that, you know, integrity means having a North Star based on what you believe. Uh, but at the same time, it's not being perfect, you know, so we all have our flaws and we work accordingly, but it's having that North Star and having that sense of direction. And I think you also mentioned a few instances of companies that you work with. I you mentioned uh, an MIT-based company that had invested in the Liquid Clyde company and all, all those experiences. So just wanted to know what your take on integrity is, especially in the Silicon Valley and in the startup space with structure capital. Yes, um, this is actually uh, a, a very important question. And my answer is always and begins with um, the reality that it is rarely products that fail. It is most always people. And subsequently, it is critical for a company to stand up their values and, and literally drive them into the culture, uh, the decision-making, 
the hiring across the board um, of of the infrastructure of a company, uh, the foundation has to be the values. It is the compass for decisions. It is the filter for hiring. It is the unique uh, brand that will be delivered to all stakeholders, um, the customers, the shareholders, the employees. And so I've seen companies and Rob and I, and Rob helps companies who actually have derailed, if you will, to try to get back on right. track. Um, I have done that as well at a smaller scale with these startups, but um, it is, uh, it happens time and time again that the products can always be fixed, but people can't always be fixed. So and true. so it is critical at the very beginning to, to, assemble teams that have shared values so that they can use that as a North Star for all aspects of building their business. And, and let me add something to what Jillian said. You got to do it right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, the integrity isn't something that's a nice to have that you can work on later. Yes. You want to know what your North Star is as a company right from the very beginning. You know, what's your purpose? Why do you exist? And that's something that I you know, urge young entrepreneurs to think about when they're starting their business. Why is what you're doing good for the world? And you know, thinking about making integrity something built in right from the very beginning. You know, Airbnb uh, you know, did that. And Airbnb, you know, a lot of people don't understand why Airbnb exists. It, it, Airbnb's mission is to connect people. Mm -hmm. their, their goal is to help people get out from behind computers, see the world, and interact with real human beings who are different than they are. And you know, the company fundamentally believes that that human connection, particularly in a world of social media, that human connection is critical. And that North Star has been built into the company right from the very first stay in the founder's apartments, and it guides the decisions today. And I think that's one of the reasons the company has been so successful. Right. And that's uh, that's an amazing uh, insight in, in, into the company itself. I think you you'd mentioned Airbnb before, Rob, and you were talking about how I think Brian and then you were working with him as one of the co-founders. Um, I think how did you move through the pandemic? I think you mentioned something about, you know, um, actually paying back employees when you had to let them go during the pandemic when the company wasn't doing so well. If you can just touch upon how how Airbnb dealt with integrity during the pandemic, that'll be interesting to know. Yeah, you know, my mom used to teach me that tough times reveal character. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, the pandemic is a great example of that. You know, it, it put all companies, I think, under a stress test. And, you know, look, the, the pandemic meant that in a number of cases, there needed to be layoffs. Because, look, a layoff isn't, uh, you know, by definition, uh, a, a dishonest act. You know, it, sometimes it needs to be done in order to protect a company. But... If a company can, just the way it treats people during a time like this is so important. You know, Airbnb, you know, their business went from booming to zero overnight. Yes. And the, the, the company needed to act. And the way that the company did it, I think, reflected the fact that uh, employees are critical stakeholders and are to be treated with respect. You know, they not only was there a generous severance, but, you know, a, a little story that the company was looking when they were letting people go, you know, somebody in the room said, 
you know, well, the first thing you do when you let somebody go at a company is you, you ask for their badge and their computer mm-hmm. back. And somebody said, well, why do we need their computer back? Why do we need the laptop? Uh, you know, these are people that are going to be going home. And, you know, they, they might have a spouse that needs the home computer. They may need a partner. Their, their child may need it for school. These folks may need this computer to search for a new job. And what are we going to do with 500 used computers at this point? You know, our business is stopped. Why not just let them keep the computer? You know, doing little things like that, you know, thinking about people as human beings and trying to figure out what are the little things you can do to help ease, uh, ease their life in a difficult situation like this, I think are important. That's that's so that, that's amazing, and I think um, you know karma really really does pay off. I think acting with integrity and really serving that purpose to a larger community um, in in any which way comes back to you. I mean, with Airbnb, the company is booming right now, um, and like I myself, I'm I'm like a proud customer of its service, um, and so that that's great. And I think um, again, moving from there, uh, Jillian, I think you are one who um, who has some amazing quotes. I just want to put it out there. I've noted some of them down, and just want you to sort of like unearth them for us because they speak volumes about integrity and just in general having spirit of like you know tenaciousness and like determination um so i think a few things that you mentioned so you you'd initially told me that don't be tenacious but be gracious you know and be transparent in the sense that you know you got to talk you know you don't whisper and then you also said that values equal trust like what do all these things mean for you in today's day and age with like new startups approaching your company and like you investing in like you know being being with the trend of like all all these new emerging technologies like what do these quotes that you so rightly said um in our previous conversation um how much value do they hold today you know, uh, according to you. Yes. So certainly, or what one definitely sees society changing rapidly. Um, our behavior is changing. How we we how we react um, to societal stresses. Um, how we react to a very fluid investment landscape. Um, we are and political um it is more important than ever to be able to um, stand up a set of values that can uh, have the resilience and flex and and also the ability to um, be tested um which is really what we're all going through right now in terms of technology, I think even more importantly, it is we have to uh, layer our uh, investment strategies, um, our uh, innovation uh, around our values, because technology is actually what what we design is an extension of us. Um, it is a what we build. I, I had a conversation with a, a group of engineers, about a hundred of them, at a presentation, and basically what I was saying is that everything we design, everything you build, is an extension of us. And subsequently, you're building in your fears, you're building in your biases, and so technology is really represents the best of us and the worst of us, and. <laughs> Subsequently, it is really critical that we are mindful of that 
because those technologies are obviously changing our behavior, the way we interact with each other, the way we interact with the, the world as a whole, the way that we make decisions. Uh, our choices are actually now dictated a lot by the efficiencies, the luxuries that technology affords us. And we subsequently have to be incredibly mindful not to lose our values as this world is being reimagined, especially post-pandemic. Right. So when I say things like maintain, be, be tenacious but gracious, um, there is a lack of grace in society. There is a lack of respect in society. Um, there is, um, at the very least, we need to have that with each other. We can be strong, we can be tenacious, but we must, must also treat each other with dignity and respect. And even if we uh, are on an opposing side, we still must listen to that counter position and take that into consideration and then view uh, and then stand up our own view. And so I think that we're just in this hyper-accelerated world where perhaps we have lost that our moral compass and our and our interest in treating each other um, with respect and 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 integrating our values and in not into just our businesses, but even more importantly into our behavior. Wow. Um, and actually, just as an aside, I remember you recalling this, I think, anecdote when we were talking before uh, about like yeah, how you still sort of like stay close to your roots. Um, and I think you did mention that it is important, especially in today's day and age, to not take anybody or anything for granted. And I think a lot of people do. And that's where these slippery slopes sort of play in. So just as an advice or maybe just like as um, as guidance, you know, as, as words of inspiration for people like us, you know, people who are aspiring entrepreneurs who are already working on stuff and who are seeking actually VC funding. What, what do you think, like, what are the values do you think we should embody? Because you did talk about the moral compass and integrity and all of that. So just wanted yeah, to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Rob, I'd love Rob to sound in on this as well. From, um, from an early stage, from a venture capitalist, I always, we all say, and at any stage, we really invest in the people, especially at the earliest stage, because the product will not be the product we're investing in. We'll have go through so many iterations, go through so many pivots that you really don't know what exactly the end result will be of that. Mm-hmm of in three years of that product but so that's why it's critical to really understand the person that you're investing in the founders who they are obviously their tech chops or their sales chops or their what their skills are and 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 how they present themselves they must present themselves with both you know with both inspiration and energy but also with integrity and so I look at um, I, I look at you have to be able to trust um, who you are going to work for. You are going to have to trust who you invest in. I mean, this entire business is built entire. Actually, the entire world is built on relationships, and the only reason. Yeah you can have a, a really good relationship is if it's trusted. And I love Rob to, to sound in here. Right, well, you know, I think trust is at the foundation of most human relationships, when you think mm-hmm. about it, in, in relationships and business. 
And trust is powered by two things, according to science. Uh, one is competence. Do you believe that the person that you're interacting with is capable? And the other is integrity. Do you believe that the person is motivated by the right things? And I, like, I think that's, that sums up a lot of what Jillian and I look for in, in, in making decision about where we're going to invest. Um, do we, is the person capable? And you know, does the person have integrity? Well, you know, what motivates them? You know, what, what drives them? Are they, you know, when, when tough times hit, because tough times are definitely going to hit, Right. Uh, you know, what, what is that going to reveal about their character? Uh, and, and that's the sort of stuff that you look for when, when, you're, when you're looking at investors. And Jillian's right. Over and over again, we see that the original product doesn't look anything like the final version. Right. So what you're investing in a lot is you're investing in the person. Yes. That is, I think that that's an amazing statement right there. Something that our viewers should definitely uh, take a card of. Like there's like the person is like the common denominator, right? Products keep changing. And I think that's a really important point that you brought up here, Rob. Um, actually, following up on that, I, I think you mentioned, you had mentioned before of this uh, about, um, you know, how in the old days you had a choice to do what was right for the business or to do what was right, because the, the two were like contrary and, you know, it was a zero sum game. But I think you, you and you, I think even mentioned this book by Adam Grant called Give and Take and how it's no longer a zero sum game. If you can just throw some light on that and how, you know, we can actually coalesce integrity slash competency with, with, you know, business growth and opportunity and all that. Uh, yeah, I think in the old days, people looked at, you know, doing the right thing in business is, you know, that, that's what you do if you have a good year and there's some a little bit of money left over in the bank. Maybe you set up a scholarship program or you sponsor mm -hmm. a little league team. In other words, they, 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 they weren't aligned. Uh, and what, what I think we're learning is that there's uh, doing good and doing good business uh, are actually the same thing. Uh, in, in Adam Grant's book, you, you referenced, a you know, terrific book, he shed lights, uh, sheds a light on this interesting concept that you know, the, the, if you, you divide the world into givers and takers, you know, givers are those that think about others. They've got empathy. Um, now, they're smart about it. They're not going to be taken advantage of, but they genuinely care for other people and want to do the right thing. And that, that motivates their actions. And then there are takers. And we all know takers, right? They're the, the people that care about themselves. They're selfish, and it's all about what can you do for them, but never about what they can do for you. And in studying this, what Adam discovered is who's more financially successful at the end of the year, the giver or the taker? You know, the person that is thinking about others, maybe donating more to charity uh, and empathetic, or the taker. And, you know, a lot of people would think that the taker is better financially because they're, they're more selfish, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting, or the interesting thing that the study showed is that givers are actually more financially successful. I think the reason is because givers build a network of people who are, who are grateful for what the giver has done. And, you know, often in life, when you give, you get back so much more. And you, you aren't giving because you expect something back. And you're not giving because you want something back. You're giving because it's simply the right thing to do. Nonetheless, uh, the bounty comes back at you twofold. You know, there's an old saying, uh, you know, a giving hand is never empty. And th that, that's true even in business. 
that is uh, th- that's amazing uh, i think just the fact that if you are if you're selfless in in what you do as opposed to just being transactional i think things um, really change and i think even your perspective of looking at the world changes um that's that's amazing um i wanted to transition to uh, talking about vulnerability and i think julian had mentioned this in our previous conversations and um i think when especially you know when startups come to you Julian when they're pitching their products and their character and their personality uh, to what degree do you think having vulnerability you know having that empathy or, or sharing your weaknesses actually helps and to after what point does it become I think a little too much because I just want to be super realistic about this and wanted to hear your thoughts on that yeah yeah that's that's there's a wonderful TED talk um, by Bryn Brown around vulnerability and I'm sure that my husband is rolling his eyes right now because I am uh, not one to really embrace vulnerability. Don't um, talk to vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but here's here are my thoughts on this. There, there, there is a a, a, um, a characteristic that I. I look for in founders, what I call the quiet ego. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is around humility and vulnerability in the sense that it's important for you as a leader to own your failures, to, um, to open up so that people that are, who are working for you see that you're not perfect. And by the way, this goes for parenting as well, that mm-hmm. you're not perfect. And by doing that, you are they, it, it provides you the ability for your employees to get, engage on you and share with you their own vulnerability, their own, their own fissures in their character or in their work. Um, because... If you are constantly, if you're a leader that's constantly judging others and not judging yourself, if you're holding other people accountable for their mistakes and not your own, it does not embody, it does not breed, as we spoke about before, trust, right? It does not cultivate that sense of trust. You have to have this, you have to have a culture that where people feel like they can, um, they can fail because as you know, failure actually is one of the biggest fuels of innovation. And I was actually, I was just with uh, a week ago, some leadership of uh, Germany and uh, Germans have this incredible, they're very risk adverse. Uh, One of the reasons I feel that Germany is not as innovative as they could be is because they do not allow people to fail that is not that's a shame that's a scarlet letter on their vest they they are and and so this this whole culture of um of perfection um does not allow people and certainly does not allow innovation to build and break down to build again and break down and that's pretty much how people are we build ourselves up and then we, we break a bit or maybe all the way. And then we reassemble to have a, even a stronger vision, a stronger purpose, a, a stronger constitution. And that's really where a comp- how a company thrives. 
if you create that culture of not failure, but vulnerability, and the leadership has a, a, enough of a sense of themselves to allow others to also to permit others to show their own weaknesses. That's wow. right. Self-awareness is such yes. a powerful quality for leaders mm -hmm. to develop. And it's, you know, Jillian's right. It's this mix of strength and self-awareness. Yes. Uh, and with it, you know, you can, uh, you earn respect of others when you demonstrate those qualities together. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, 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 Jillian, I tease Jillian a bit because Jillian can be, Jillian's very strong and tough, but Jillian also what, what's so wonderful about her and why she's a role model to so many young entrepreneurs is that she's uh, at the same time got a tremendous level of self-awareness and, and empathy as well. And that combination is a powerful thing for a leader to have. The, the, the one th values and why I teach a uh, 10 values, as you know, to our, yes. to our companies. And one of them is you have to own it. You, you have to own your mistakes. You have to be able to apologize. You have to be able to, to really um, internalize it so that others can also own their mistakes. And, um, and, and Rob is right. I actually make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> and, but I've got to the point in my life where I call myself on them. I call myself on them. Oh. And that is a critical part of a, the success of a business. Everyone has to be able to own their mistakes, be self-aware. And um, only then will a business be able to navigate challenges best. Wow. And I think people that don't make any mistakes either have no self-awareness or they're not they're not trying to be innovative. Yes. I mean, you, 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 you need to make mistakes. That's part of the growing process. That's part mm -hmm. of the learning process. And, you know, so, you know, I look for people who uh, are, can openly acknowledge the fact that they've made mistakes and show self-awareness around what they are. But mm -hmm. making mistakes means that you had the courage to try something that wasn't a guarantee. And that, to yes. me, is part of being a successful entrepreneur as well. Wow. I think that's that's a really unique take uh, at like making mistakes or like even taking that leap of risk uh, is that you're doing something that wasn't done as much before. And so that really shows that you're willing to go above and beyond in doing what you want. And I think also being cognizant of the fact that you've made mistakes is how, you know, Jillian and Rob, both of you put it. I think that's half the battle won, right? Because like then you know where to work and you know that, okay, here's how to not do this. So I know that there's one less chance of me, you know, again, like potentially failing at this again or facing the same setback. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I think you were, you were about to say something. Uh -huh. There are companies, I've heard, uh, I've heard of one company that actually uh, hands out an award for the mistake of the month. Wow. And, it, <laughs> and it's, not, it's not because they want people, they, they, they want mistakes in one sense, right? Because you'd love everything to work. But they want people to have the courage to try things that might not work. And they use the award as an opportunity to highlight things that were that were strong efforts. Uh, you, you don't want to make the same mistakes twice, but sometimes there are good mistakes. And if you can uh, if you can learn from them and even even in a, a fun way, even reward them when they when they uh, when they made sense and were executed well, uh, I think that's OK. Wow. I love that, Rob. I've never heard that. Before. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Imagine imagine having this, like after this rolls out, imagine all the big companies going like, we should have a mistake of the month award. I mean, it's, it's oh. a genius, right? 
Yeah, well, yeah. I think every marriage should have that too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd win all the time, but he's just on the volume, I think. <laughs> But, but, you know, you, you want to take the shame out of mistakes. Yes! That's a Do great... Yeah. And, it's, and it's the, the shame isn't even the worst part. The, 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 I'd say the blame is the worst part. Because, no. you know, I, a lot of times when something goes wrong, then the blame game starts within the company. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. People start pointing fingers. Well, legal, legal told me I couldn't do it that way, right? Or the engineers wouldn't build it that way. Right. I tried. And that's a destructive process. So if you want to take the shame and the blame out, I think you need to, to start to recognize that uh, mistakes are okay. The, no. But the right kind of mistakes are okay. Yes. And that's, that's amazing. I think just the fact that um, I think I remember my dad always used to tell me that, you know, uh, there's two ways in which you can go about committing any mistake and like taking it, you know, up after that, either you can go above the belt or you can go below the belt. And I think what you just said makes so much sense. If you go below the belt, if you blame others, then you don't have that sense of accountability and cognizance of your own mistakes and move on from there. Uh, but that, that, that's amazing. Um, I think I wanted to touch upon and, and here actually both of your takes on um, we've been talking a lot about integrity and ethics and all of that. Um, the, the pandemic has really shifted things up, right? We've seen the emergence of a lot of new companies, um, like entire industries being wiped out, right? And you're in the space, you're really cognizant of what's happening. What, according to you, and this is a very subjective question, what, according to you, does the new normal, which is really shaping up now, what does it look like? Anyone can take this. Um. <laughs> say, say that again. Will you repeat that? Oh, yeah, sure. So I was just saying that given the way the pandemic has like, you know, sort of like shifted things up, you know, like um, industries have died and then the other ones have even emerged. Um, And there's a lot of things happening around us all the time. The sense of dynamism and constant change is really, really prevalent. Uh, What, according to you, then, is the new normal that is setting in the world? It's like a big picture question. So just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. uh, Yeah, well, I'll speak to it from the investment lens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that um, the, through, through the reveals of this pandemic, um, society as a whole has realized that we have fallen quite short of our responsibilities to the entire population. I think we can all agree upon that. Mm-hmm. And so subsequently, there has been more investment into areas where where nobody really felt that they would get a return. But now we're all, and I'm talking about a, a, a return on, on the, their funds. And I think that now investors are starting to understand that what is that you can do well and do good, which is what Davos with the World Economic Forum had been speaking about for many, many years, uh, over a, a decade ago. And we all thought that this is wonderful. We would all love to do well and good. But the fact is, is could we really, could we really see our investments um, 3x, 5x mm-hmm. um, with that, in, with, that um, with that format, with that formula? And now we're understanding as we invest, and in fact, as you know, the investment into biotech, into digital health, into healthcare as in as a whole has 10x 
since the pandemic, um, but also so has fintech as we think of how we can create better efficiencies, um, more access to funds, more access to loans, more access to mortgages, how we can better serve the total population. And so it it has really, post-pandemic has forced us to reimagine this world to serve everyone. Mm-hmm. And that our that you that our investments should represent this new mission of society. Um, and as Rob always talks about, and he can in terms of a company being a 21st century company. And and Rob, why don't you take that from here? Well, I'll take that same theme. Uh, I think one of the new normals is worker empowerment. Yeah, uh, you know we, what we've seen uh, now. The pandemic was very hard on on workers, but coming out of the pandemic, I think workers are standing up and saying that they want some things now. I want to be able to work from anywhere. I want to be able to work from home. I don't want to have to commute anymore. And I don't you know what? I don't want to have to travel uh, and be a road warrior when it comes to, to business travel anymore. And the conditions in the warehouse, I'm not happy with the conditions of the warehouse. They they aren't fair. And. Uh, racial inequality, uh, the lack of diversity. Uh, you know, I think the list goes on and on. Uh, workers are speaking up. They're, they're, they're tired of the uh, financial inequalities. Uh, they're, they're tired of the way that, that people, certain groups are treated. And I, I think post-pandemic, we're seeing a new world where uh, it, companies need to recognize that their employees are critical stakeholders. In, in the past, I think they've been seen a bit as pawns. Uh, oh, yes. In places, so right? Mm-hmm. It, it pawns in the greater game of how much money can we make. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, there goes a great story. There's a CEO uh, at a company called Gravity Payments. He was leaving work one day ran into one of his employees and said, where are you going? And the employee said, well, I'm going to McDonald's for, uh, for my shift. And the employee said, and the CEO said, what do you mean? And the, C- and the employee explained to him that he didn't make enough money at Gravity Payments to pay the bills. He had to work a, a, a second job. He worked a shift at McDonald's five nights a week. Wow. And that really hit the CEO hard. The idea that there were people that he was working side by side with every day that needed to go work at a fast food place in order to make ends meet. And he did a little digging around and came to the conclusion that in his geographic area, uh, you needed $70,000 a year in order to have um, you know, a, a decent lifestyle. So the CEO announced a new minimum salary at his company of $70,000. Wow. And in some cases that was almost doubling the pay of some people at the company. Um, he, paid for this um, mostly by taking his $1.1 million salary and cutting it to 70,000. Wow. Now the CEO was going to do quite well anyway with, with his ownership stake in the company, but he, I think he fundamentally recognized that he had an obligation to the people that he worked with every day to do right by them. And he came under a lot of criticism uh, in certain quarters and certain business uh, uh uh, stations for being a socialist, uh, and so, and uh, he was told this will never work. Well, 
Uh, six years later, um, revenues have tripled. Profit levels are at the same level that they were before he made this change. Productivity's way up and turnover is cut in half. And so what he learned again is that, you know what? I can run a business really well, maybe even better by thinking about the employees at my company. And maybe I've got an obligation to that. And when I give to them, you know, maybe the business will get back. This is, this is ingenious. Um, the fact that I think, I think it, everything you said, you know, can be summarized in just saying that employees are no longer pawns in a game of chess, you know, where you're just playing to win. I think they have, I think there's a power distribution and now it's, it's more equitable in a way and people want it to be so because they've realized over the pandemic, then they can demand what they want because they are the people who are driving, like, you know, they're the revenue generators for any company. And so I think it's really important for them to even stand up. And I think everything that you mentioned about, you know, quality, diversity, these things really play into uh, any company now. I mean, I've been seeing the insurgence of so many diversity programs, not only at Duke, but also other places as well, and, and the importance of them. That is amazing, amazing thing. Thank you, Julian and Rob, for sharing your thoughts on this. Um, the next thing, um, and, and before we wrap up the conversation, I really wanted people to know the six C's that I absolutely love are a part of Robert's book. And then maybe, uh, Julian, if you can chime in and, and, and see how that plays into your sort of like VC world and, and other places because you're on the board of directors of so many educational institutions. So I think just to summarize it briefly, the six C's that Rob's book really focus upon are, um, so the first C is chief, which is, and it talks about how you should buy in from the top. Uh, the second C is a customized code of ethics. The third C is communicating the code well. The fourth C is having consequences. The fifth one is having a clear reporting system. And the sixth one is having that constant drumbeat that really coalesce into making a company, um, you know, filled with integrity and prosperity. So yeah, just throwing it out there, Rob, if you can take that ball on here and then maybe Julian can take over. Sure. I mean, you know, what I, I learned a lot at Airbnb. Uh, you know, when, when we started talking about uh, wanting to have uh, the right kind of a company, a company that we could all be proud of. Uh, and, and we started talking, well, how do we build integrity throughout the culture of a 6,000-person of a global company? Mm-hmm. And I, I started looking at things and sort of asking, well, how do companies traditionally do this? And the answer was they don't do it very well. Uh, you know, they, well, they've got a compliance poster up on the wall in the break room that nobody reads. Uh, they've got a code of ethics that, you know, their law firm probably sent over to them uh, <laughs> that they email out to everyone and say, you know, check a box uh, right. to say that you've read it. And it, it struck us that that just wasn't good enough. That doesn't have any authenticity or any heart. And so if you want to build integrity into the culture of the company, uh, what should you do? How should you go about it? And look, you know, we, uh, we sat down and put together an integrity program. And we made some mistakes, right? But I think what we finally settled on, uh, as it turned out, uh, has some basis in science. I, I, I remember after implementing some aspects of the program, like I went out to Duke University and met with Dan Ariely, a behavioral psychologist, famous yes. thinker on, yes. on uh, dishonesty. He's a thinker on dishonesty. <laughs> and it, it turned out there was actually some science behind some of the things that we tried that worked. And, and so, look, I, I think the key thing is, as you know, the, the title of my book would suggest, you need to be intentional. You know, integrity isn't something that you can just assume and just hope happens. You've actually got to talk about it. You've actually got to 
make an effort to weave it into the culture of your company. Uh, but the fact that you, you demonstrate that you care as a leader about integrity and that you want it to be part of your company can go so far, I think, to attracting the right kind of employees and inspiring the people who are there. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Um, and Jillian, uh, any words of advice on that? Um, you know what? It's very difficult to follow on to my husband because he really does embody integrity <laughs> uh, throughout his entire life. Um, I can only say that uh, one of the one of the things that Rob has taught me is that integrity is aspirational. Um, it is uh, it is not necessary that we all um, hold a mirror up to ourselves every moment to keep ourselves in check um, because the fact is, is that we are human and we will fail, <laughs> we will make mistakes <laughs> and that's part of how we evolve as a person as well as a company. Um, I think that uh, we, we are now being forced to, to behave with more integrity than ever because we have more challenges than ever. Right. And if we do not use, uh, if we do not set up uh, integrity and values as a North Star in our lives, we as a, as a world will not be able to help each other navigate um, the challenges that we um, we are actually, I believe, going to head into um, even coming out of this pandemic. This is not suddenly going to be, you know, vaccinated away. Yeah, you're okay. right. Yeah, it is here to stay. It is here to stay. And uh, uh, amazing, uh, amazing words uh, there, Jillian, as well. Um, I think just just to summarize this entire conversation, you know, this is not a zero sum game. Uh, you don't have to sort of like at the expense of others, you know, do better or worse. We're all in this together. And if we all act with integrity and have that North Star, as Jillian said, and as, as also Rob mentioned, uh, then we can truly sort of like progress as a civilization. I think that's what makes us human is that we can trust each other and we can have these common denominators that really binds us together. Um, listen, this was, this was like, I think the best conversation I've had um, so far on the podcast. And thanks a lot for both of you for taking out um, your precious time to do this. Uh, any parting thoughts uh, on, on, on this conversation, Robin Julian? Uh, you know, I, I like to say that silence is the enemy of integrity. Right. Uh, you know, the failure to talk about it is the, the really the biggest challenge. So I, I appreciate you, you know, you giving us the <laughs> forum to talk about this and, uh, you know, spread the word about this to, to other young entrepreneurs. Thank you. Thank you I, so much, Rob. And yes, I, absolutely. I was going to say you have integrity because you are passing this forward. And I'm hoping that anyone who is listening to this podcast, if you learn just one, one thing, if there was one point that actually flipped a switch in you, some word of wisdom, I'm asking all of you to pass that forward, whether it's on social media, whether it's in a family dinner, whether it's in uh, any type of forum, because the most important thing we can do is pass wisdom forward right now. So true. Um, that is that is amazing. Um, 
I, I really appreciate both of you taking your time for this. And um, yeah, you guys stay tuned for the next episode of the NP podcast. Thank you for this. Thank you.